Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Hey, I, I really felt this at prayer night two weeks ago that the word Ashley was going to release last week would be a preparation for what he wanted to do today. Because he needed to heal a fence with him first before he deals with offense on this level. And so, um, I don't know how to do this other than just you've got to do this. And you've got to just tell him, Lord, I'll do what you say this morning. I'll align my heart to what you say. That's my prayer this morning, okay? Is it yours? Some of y'all weren't ready for this this morning. <laughs> but he's going to change you. And he's going to set some people free today. He's going to change your family history today because of what you hear and what you put into practice and what he whispers to your heart and you go out and do. It's going to change everything. You believe it? Okay. Thank you, team. Love you so much. That's good stuff. I, uh, I hadn't preached for three weeks. I don't know if I know how to do this. <clears throat> it's a good thing he can do it. I feel like Bethany last week, you know, coming in such a, just a tender moment of worship talking about turkeys. But, um... <laughs> Speaking of Tinder, <laughs> we got jokes. We got jokes on the front. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Dark meat. Oh, today's the last day. Thank you. Today's the last day to donate for our Thanksgiving turkey pantry, which is pretty cool because last year we did, um, we did Thanksgiving food pantry the Saturday before Thanksgiving. This year, we're actually doing it next Sunday instead of a Saturday. We're doing it on Sunday so that we can all be a part of what God does at Food Pantry. Yeah. So I would encourage you, stay after. It's going to be low-key. The outreach team is going to be serving a Food Pantry like normal, giving out the turkeys. But let's just hang out and meet some people in our community. That's why we want to do it on Sunday, to bring just those awesome connections that we're making on Saturday to you guys too. If you're not currently serving on Outreach Team, you have an opportunity to meet some people and love on some people um, and bless some families for Thanksgiving. Come on, that's awesome, isn't it? I love that we, we've been able to do that. Um, before I, I jump into the message today, I do have a message, um, but I wanna, I wanna tell you something about this Wednesday night. We have something called prayer nights on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. right here in this room on the second and fourth Wednesday nights of the month, actually. So this Wednesday night will be a prayer night, but it won't be any other, like any other prayer night. I've said from the platform several times that I feel like there's, and many of us are feeling this way, and he's stirring our hearts toward this, to create a space in our city of unceasing prayer and worship. And I don't really know where you start to do something like that. All I know is God's got to start with us and making, a, making us people of unceasing prayer. 
And so that's what we're going to be talking about this Wednesday night, just sharing some vision on that and praying into that a little bit. And so if anything I just said stirs you up or burns inside of you a little bit, you need to be here Wednesday night, okay? So the, even if it's the remnant, man, that's all we need. This, is, this thing is more about, you know, we, we, as a church, we create spaces for people to encounter God, discover their identity, fulfill their purpose. But when we talk about creating a space like this, a prayer room, a house, becoming a house of prayer is more about giving him worship, ministering to him first and foremost. Actually, that's the only point. It's not about anything else but just him. And then as he changes us in those environments, in those, in those moments, he makes us who we're created to be in the first place. It's about knowing him. It's about knowing Jesus. And so I want us to just lean into that. And I know you aren't with me yet, but you will be. And the Lord will, will burn a fire so hot in you for prayer that you'll be surprised as you look back. By faith, I say that this morning. All right, so let's look, let's look into this today. I've got a message in me. I was gonna start a King series this week. Uh, we're, we're gonna start it next week. And we're gonna go through the Kings. We're gonna, not all of them, because there's too many of them, but we're gonna pick some of the lives of the Kings in Scripture, and we're gonna dig in a little bit in their lives, and we're gonna see what uh, we can learn from that. And it'll go all the way to Christmas, and uh, y'all know how we do that around here. We just hang on something for a long time. So our King series is starting next week. But I want to talk about today, I want to just do a standalone message. Just feel like the Lord is just blowing his wind on this right now, just in us, in us as a people, as a family. And I want to talk about this. If I had, a, if I had a, a title, it would be this, Growing Up Into Love. Growing Up Into Love. How to maintain healthy community. Who's a part of a community around here? A dwelling community. I'm so glad that a couple years ago we made that switch. That's how we do groups. That's how we approach groups around here is there's a home near you where you can get plugged in with other families and you can press into Jesus in prayer with each other and community and encouragement. And, and some of them talk about the message every week and how God spoke to them that sometimes it's, it never turns into any kind of discussion. It's just ministry time the whole time. And uh, we love that because you're created to grow in community. If I, I say this, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings when I say this. I know that it's just kind of, but what you get in this room, if this is all you get, you're not getting enough to stay, to grow. You're just not getting enough to grow. Like you can survive off of a meal a week, but like when you're in community and you got people around you, some of you, that's what you've longed for for so long, but all it's going to take is you being brave enough to just step inside of it, to just sign up, to go to a community. So um, but even if you don't know anybody here this morning, the person sitting next to you, ask them if they're in a community and ask if you can come with them this week, okay? Like get in with some people because that's where we're created to grow. Community is beautiful. Yeah. Community is life-changing. But how many know community is stinking hard yeah. sometimes? I think that if community was easy, it would cease to be community, like biblical community is hard. 
And if you're, me and Ashley were talking about this just in, she heads up our communities and it, we're just talking about like true, just true biblical community. Not like, not just surface level relationships and groups, but like true biblical community. What does it look like? And she said this, and she said, you know, conflict is always a part of true community because people are actually getting vulnerable enough to get offended. And so that's where we're going this morning because here's what I know. Community's the best thing for me and you. And if there was a target that the enemy would want to put on his church, it would be those relationships and community. And we are squashing the head of the enemy this morning in our obedience to his word, okay? And so uh, one of the main reasons that I believe Christians don't ever grow up into mature followers of Jesus is because they're not willing to pay the price for true community. Sometimes we get involved in community and it gets kind of, ooh, this is, ooh, I don't know if I like this. Somebody's holding me to account or, or someone's, uh, I feel like I don't know if I can be that vulnerable. I don't know these people. And, and so we've just stepped so lightly. We never get below the surface. Or when it does, we tuck and run because we don't like that. And so what we're doing when we do that, though, is we're actually pushing away maturity and we're actually staying immature in our spirit. We're staying immature as followers of Jesus Christ. How many know God has not called us to be babies forever? He's actually called us to grow up. And growing up, spiritually speaking, looks like love. It's not, yes, it is about knowledge of Scripture. Yes, it is about a history with God and just walking out faithfulness. That is all a part of it. But if you do not have love, you are not maturing. If you're not growing in love, you're not growing up. And so Paul says a little bit about this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. No offense, Leah. It's like, I don't know why Paul had to call you out like that. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could literally move mountains with it, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, turkeys, if I sacrificed my body as a martyr, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained absolutely nothing. Love is patient. Listen to these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Love keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about Injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up 
It never tucks and runs. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I preached a message on June 26th. I know you all remember it word for word because that was so long ago. The title of the message was Prerequisites for Life. And I had a whiteboard up here and I didn't bring it up here today because I want to have some mercy on you today and not get onto that. I would be here till three o'clock if I do that. But I said this and I knew, I, I hope y'all know I don't come at like what I do like up here, like when I deliver what I believe is a message from the Lord every time I'm up here. I don't come at it willy-nilly. I don't come at it like, well, let me look up a sermon online somebody else did and try to just fill in a blank for a Sunday. No, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly in trembling most of the time about what I'm about to share from this platform. And sometimes it's kind of low-key and like God's speaking and it's not like a big deal. And sometimes I shake in my shoes because I never want to miscommunicate what's on God's heart, but I never want to just blow through into a Sunday and him not have his way either. And so today is one of those days, just like that day that I had that whiteboard up here. And I want to revisit that because it's still a word for this house. It's still a word for the dwelling church. And I said up there that day, up here that day, I said, no, this is not about the church globally. This is not about even the church of Savannah. I don't know about any, what anybody else is doing, what God's saying to anybody else. All I know is it's what he's saying to me, and that's what he's saying to this house. And I said this, four things are going to have to die in us if we're going to carry what God is entrusting us to carry in this city as a house, as a family. And the four things were this, control. Who remembers this message? Control has to die in us if we're going to be trusted to carry what God wants us to carry. And that's controlling outcomes. That's controlling our spouses. That's controlling people. That's controlling God himself. Sometimes we think we can do that. And then there were three other things. There was criticism. We got to die to criticism. That whole critic, critical spirit thing that rises up in us sometimes where we just got to complain. Like we got to shoot that thing down. We got to squash it. Or we cannot be trusted with what God wants to release to us. And then the last thing, or yeah, number four, and I'm going to come back to number two, was fear of man. We can't be trembling in fear about what people think of us if we're going to carry what God's calling us to carry. We've got to be concerned first and foremost with what he thinks about us. And then that second one that I skipped that I want to go back to today is offense. And I want it to really sink in with all of us this morning that what God has called us to as a church is bigger than having services on Sunday morning and groups in homes. It's actually to transform the flavor of a city. It's to prepare a people for the coming of Jesus in a specific way that he wants to do in each one of us. But there's a specific assignment on this little church in this warehouse in West Savannah to do something that none of us have even dreamed about is possible. But that will never happen if we hear this word and we say, oh, that's not me. Or if we say, it's not that important. Or it's, the, it's not that big a deal. 
But if we will lean in this morning and we will actually examine our heart and allow the Holy Spirit to shine his light on us way down deep where we don't want to go. Come on, he always goes where we don't want to go. Did you know that? If you're comfortable, <laughs> you're probably not walking with him. Like It's like he wants to get down deep and do surgery because it's what we need. And sometimes we jump off the table before he even gets started because it, oh, I felt a prick, you know, like, no, he wants to go deeper. And so this is what this looks like. And, and a big part of carrying what God wants us to carry is dealing with this issue of offense. Yeah. So I want to revisit it this morning. Last Wednesday, I live in Richmond Hill, which is 25 minutes down the road down here. And um, there's a lot of people there. And it's growing fast, and the roads are like, help, okay? And Wednesday morning, uh, we're, I, get a, I get a notification on my phone, and it says, you know, citizens of Richmond Hill, be warned, be noticed that uh, we notify you that the train tracks are closed on Ford Avenue again. That's never good news because Ford Avenue is like where everybody goes, on the, in the morning to get to school, to get to work. If you got to get on that side, you got to go this way. And if you don't, you got to go around this way, but everybody else is too. Y'all know how it is with the trains and stuff where we live. God bless these ports. <laughs> we just need more train tracks or like overpasses or something. And so that morning, Wednesday morning, we were headed out to school and it was hard getting there. And I got to thinking about this and I got to thinking, um, because here's, here's the reason that the train tracks were shut down. Somebody turned onto the train tracks and got stuck on the tracks. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they were thinking. But a bunch of kids were late for school. A bunch of buses didn't make it to school on time. I'm just thinking just the education system. How many teachers I got? Some of you are watching online. Y'all know that's a big deal when... Like the buses don't show up. You got walking kids there. You can't start class yet. It's 30 minutes past the bell. People still aren't in your classroom. I was thinking about the people who are on their way to work. And man, they couldn't be late one more time, but they were going to be late that morning, you know? And like, how much grace does that boss have? And, and I was thinking about each individual story as I was sitting waiting in traffic. And I was thinking, you know, one person who got sideways, disrupted thousands of lives today. <laughs> you know, one person who decided they thought it would be a good idea to drive on a track that a car ain't supposed to go on, messed it up for thousands of people. People are late. People mad. You know how it gets. Road rage happening. And it reminded me of Hebrews 12. The writer says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It's interesting to me that he takes the whole holiness thing about like the life of holiness and he ties it in with relationships. Now, a lot of times we talk about holiness, we want to talk about like lust and, you know, addiction and like, you got to get all that out of your life so you live holy. But no, actually Paul or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, some think it's Paul, actually ties it to interpersonal relationships and community. 
And what holiness looks like is actually pursuing peace with everyone. And it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Just like the guy that got on the train track and got stuck and it, it messed up thousands of people's mourning, made them late. Sometimes it only takes one person. It only takes like if I've got an offense in my heart that I let sit there, I think it's just about me. But actually what happens is it begins to seep out of me and onto my family and onto the people in my life that I do life with and my friends and then in my community. And everywhere I go, if I'm not careful and if I don't deal with that offense, I'll begin to actually grow what's inside of me. How many know you release what you carry? If you're full of fear, you're gonna release that. If you're full of joy, you're gonna release that. If you're full of peace, some people say this about Bethany. She walks into a room and there's just peace. And I say that too, unless she's mad at you. Don't make her mad. <laughs> but you release what you carry. And if you carry bitterness, guess what? It's gonna show up in other people's lives. And so there's a downward spiral to this thing. And I won't, I won't belabor this. I just wanna go over what I talked about on June the 26th. The top of the spiral, if you can imagine this, and bitterness being down here, right? The top of the spiral doesn't start with bitterness. It starts with an unchecked pride in our hearts, which leads to entitlement, which entitlement is just an inward expression that says, I deserve something. Um, I should have this. I should be recognized for this. I should, you know, I should fill in the blank. It, it's a self-centered type of thing. It's an, it's an inward expression. And no one would know what was happening except you. And sometimes you don't know what's happening. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes I don't even know that I feel entitled. Uh, prideful people don't know they're prideful. Humble people don't know they're humble. And so it's gotta be something we invite the Lord into to help us to see ourselves as we really are. Unchecked pride, entitlement. And then when I've, when I've prepared a soil in my heart for entitlement, what happens when an offensive situation comes along, it has somewhere to land and take root. And so offense is situational. I'm having a conversation with somebody and they say something kind of passive aggressive toward me. Oh, <laughs> that ever happened to you? What do you mean by that? But I'm saying it all in here. And I'm like, oh, I need to be treated better than that. There was the entitlement. And then the offense has somewhere to take root. And then if I don't dig that up, if I don't weed that immediately, it does not stay just on that offense level. It actually turns into resentment. And resentment is taking something personal that you are offended by. So resentment is personal. It's right here. It's between me and you. But how many know it didn't stop there? Because it's a root. It's a seed that sprouts and begins to root down. And resentment being personal, if I don't nip that in the bud, it becomes bitterness, which is pervasive. In other words, because I had unchecked pride, because I created an entitlement, 
within me, soil for an offense to land and take root. And you said something to me that offended me. Now I've got beef with you. And now it's not only personal, but I keep ruminating what you said to me. And I think about it. And listen, I'll get up in the middle of the night and think about you. Am I, am I hitting anybody's keys this morning? <laughs> like, is this not how we do things as human beings? This is why it's so dangerous. And I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'll think about what you said to me six months ago because I hadn't forgot it. I'm just using myself as an example. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm doing that, nobody. But then it, it becomes bitterness and it's like, now I'm looking at not only you with mistrust and like this weird thing going on, but now I'm looking at your friends that way because those are the people you hang out with. And what if y'all are talking about me behind my back? And it's like now the bitterness is starting to take root and I'm becoming evasive and I'm, I'm, you're like, I don't want to deal with this. And then I start talking about it to my friend. And I just got a buddy that I want to share my heart with. But the problem is, is I should have shared my heart with you. Before I went and shared it with my buddy and my buddy and my buddy and my buddy's buddy. And then, you know what's happened then? The root of bitterness that began in me has now been planted in people that I love, in people that I would never intentionally hurt, but I've actually taken, I've deposited what was, what was broken in me into someone else. And now they can't think of you like they did because of what I said about you. And before you know it, just like the guy who drove off the train track, it took one person to mess up everybody's morning. It only takes one root of bitterness to defile many. If you've got small kids, you know this. If you've taught preschool or whatever, you know this. Going on a bear hunt. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't know it. How does it go? I know some of these moments. I'm not scared. And then you come to like a cave or something or, or whatever it is, like a, uh, I don't remember. But the, there's a line in that little chant that says, you can't go under it, you know. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You got to go where? Through it, okay? Well, part of that's true when it comes to relationships and offense. I think sometimes when we get offended, depending upon our personality and how already done with you we are, you know, like we can, we can come over it. And that's when we say, well, you ain't got no right to treat me. And we just kind of blow up, you know, and that's arrogance. So we, if we try to go over a fence, that's arrogance and it's just hurtful and it's damaging. And it's just, let me just beat you up to get through this. And then there's another way that we deal with offense, and it's that we try to go around it. And so some of us who are more tender and mercy people, we just go, oh, it's all right. I'll just forget it ever happened. And then we don't ever forget it happened. <laughs> we actually 
carry it forever and never share about what's on our heart. And then we say, well, I don't go that way. I won't, I won't avoid. I'll actually go this way and I'll go around it. And this way of going around it is talking to everyone around us about the offense. And this was spreading the bitterness. And so I would propose this morning that the only way to actually go through offense is to go under it. So the bear hunt was wrong, but to go under it means I'm choosing humility in this. I'm choosing actually, even though I know I was not the guilty party, I'm the one who I want biblically just to do this the right way. And I'm going to humble myself and have the conversation that needs to happen. I'm going to humble myself and lay aside my bitterness, lay aside all that and actually go low because I know that's the only healthy way to deal with the offenses in my heart. Is it uncomfortable? <sighs> Hardest thing you'll ever have to do. But it beats trying to avoid it because you don't really avoid it. It beats trying to get around it by telling other people because then you just created a mess. It beats beating people down because that's just wrong. So the only way you're going to get through offense that you're carrying is just to get low and have the mind of Jesus and lay your entitlement aside. Philippians 2, even though he was God, he chose to lay, down, lay that down, become a servant, right? So, humility is the way that we get through offense. And if you want to stay connected to life-giving community, if you actually want to grow spiritually, if you want to become the disciple that Jesus died and rose and intercedes even now for you to be, the only way to do that is to be connected with community in a healthy way and to choose to deal with offense when it comes. And it will come. It's inevitable in, within community. Because if you don't deal with it now, and I tell you, this will help you in every relationship in your life. If you don't deal with it now, you'll go to that next relationship. And it will follow you into that relationship. And then you'll go into that next relationship, and it will follow you into that next relationship. Uh, put it in... In church terms, you go to a church, you love it. It's the best church ever. You can't believe you found community like this. You, you get offended. And instead of dealing with offense, you go find another church. Guess what's going to follow you into that church? Because it was in you to start with. And you go from church to church to church to church to church or within a church in community to community, relationship to relationship. And you wonder, why is the drama always following me? Why can't I find a church that's healthy? <laughs> because it's never dealt with right here. We never actually got personal with it. We never actually took the steps, the hard commitment of community. And so Jesus has a lot to say about this 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and first go and be reconciled to them and then come offer your gift. In our modern day, it'd be like, you know, what are you, why are we trying to worship when we're not right with each other? That's what he's saying. Like, don't approach God with an, with an offering when we're not willing to get right with our brothers and our sisters. It taints our worship. And he's worthy of pure worship. He's, those who worship in, in spirit and in truth, I feel like we forfeit that when we're not willing to do the hard work of community. And when we bring a gift, financial or whatever it is, to the Lord, it taints it when it's, you know, Jesus says, I love a cheerful giver, right? That's the, that's the terminology. When you're eating up with bitterness, how can you be cheerful? You know what I'm saying? So Jesus says in Matthew 18, he says, if your brother sins against you, get on the phone. No, he says, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. I'm going to sit on that one a while. Between you and the other person alone. I need to tell my mama about it first. I need to get some godly counsel on this. We can use all kind of terminology. But all we're trying to do is build up our, our case. No, just go to them. Just go to them. And if he listens to you, win. If he does not listen, take one or two others along. Hey, let's talk about this. That every charge may be established in the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Y'all, what if we did this? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it'd be a hot mess, but it'd be real healthy. I'm thinking about, um, uh, there's a, a pastor named Jim Cimbala in uh, New York City, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. They're famous for their big choir, 300-piece choir, a voice choir. And, uh, but Jim Simblis said one time, he said, in our church, in all the years that we've been a church, we've never had a split. We've never had like a faction of people raise up like against leadership and get mad and leave. He said, you know, we've had people leave and families leave and people transition. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking like a, like a blow up. We've never had a blow up because every new person that joins the church becomes a person part of the church, they line them up in front of the, the church on a Sunday morning. And the pastor says, when you commit to this place, you're committing to every single person in here. You're their brother, sister. This is family. And he says, here's what we ask of everyone who's a part of this church, that if you hear somebody talking about somebody, it is your responsibility to interrupt them and set up a meeting with the person they're talking about. And you're talking about nipping it in the bud. Talk about discomfort. 
Now, some of y'all don't have a problem with that because you're just out there anyway, you know, tell it like it is. But some of us are a little more like tactful, you know, like, I can't do that. No, but what if we did? And what if we took, what if we took unity serious enough that, that we could get over ourselves and actually look out for each other? And so um, there's the blueprint. And with the next few minutes I've got, I want to just, I just want to say these, these are some, I got seven points. I'm going to fly through them real quick. But here's, here's how you deal with healthy um, conflict and community. Number one is you act fast. Act fast. Don't let the sun go down your anger. The Bible says some of us take three months. Some of us have been six years. Act fast. Because once a seed hits the soil, it's going to germinate and it's going to take root. Don't let that happen. Don't let it happen. Act fast. Number two, go to the person. Don't talk about everybody else. I mean, if you got to have advice on it, if you don't know, like... Talk to somebody that's like a spiritual mentor in your life or somebody's got wisdom is farther along than you. Don't just tell everybody until you get a consensus of what you want to hear. Like, get some advice, yes. But let's talk to the person. Make that a priority. Be like, oh, wait, wait. I haven't talked to them yet. I probably don't need to talk to that person about that yet because I haven't gone to them. And then number three, be clear. Don't be ambiguous about it. I'm like, oh, I just got a problem with you. And are you something me? No, like this is a good apology. We taught our kids years ago when they were really little. You know, they start poking each other's eyes in a little while. You know, when they're little, you're like, what are you doing? We got to learn how to do this thing. This is life, relational conflict. And um, what am I talking about? One of the... One of the things that we, we helped them to say was this. When you, when you apologize to somebody, say, this is what I did. This is how I probably made you feel. Will you forgive me for that? It's not, will you, well, I'm sorry if you thought that I, I'm sorry if you felt that way, <laughs> you know? No, it's I'm sorry I'm taking ownership of what I did. And so when we approach somebody too like that, we're being very honest, like, hey, I want to talk to you. When you said this, I don't know what you meant. I don't pretend to know what you were thinking, what you were feeling at that moment, but here's how I felt. You can't argue with that. You don't say, you said this and you need to tell me, you know, no. You said this and when you did, it made me feel this way. And I just needed, I need to talk about this with you to make sure we're good because I value me and you more than I value being right. All right. So then number four is I'm seeking to understand. I'm asking questions. I'm not just assuming they're a horrible person. And here's the deal. If you don't ask questions, you won't know. You just won't know. Number five, forgive freely. Freely you've received freely give. Forgiveness is not a when I want to, when I feel like it thing. It's actually a choice. And to not do so is sin. It's just the truth. It's like we, we got to forgive, guys. If, we, if, we're, if we're in the body of Christ, if we claim to know Jesus and we claim to have been forgiven and washed away of all of our sin, I got to forgive. Some of, you, some of you are like, I, 
don't know if I'm there yet. Well, you won't ever be there. You just got to do it. I was, I was listening to Dateline NBC podcast <laughs> the other day. You know, somebody always getting killed on there. And I, lo- I really love the ones where the guy is talking like this. You know, the storyteller, we call him the storyteller. I can't remember his name right now. Keith Morrison. And uh, I got some Dateline fans up here. This front row, y'all are, y'all are coming in clutch this morning. Going on a bear hunt. Come on, like jokes. But he told a story about a, a pastor in Oklahoma. And uh, it's a really hard story to listen to. <laughs> I mean, really hard. Pastor and his family, the husband and wife were shot to death in their own home. The two kids were shot by some uh, guys who come in and tried to rob them and everything. Years and years of just court case and just all kind of stuff was going on. And this, the, the, the man who, who's now a grown man, he's actually a, a politician now, and he, he, was one of the, he was a boy when he got shot, and he, he watched his mom and dad die and watched his little sister get raped and shot. And he asks, as a grown man with, a, with, with the killer of his family sitting across the table, he says, I want an audience with him. And they say, I don't think that's a good idea. He's going to... He's not a nice guy. Even all these years in prison, he's just not a nice guy, and you don't want to put yourself on that. And he said, yes, I do. I want, to be, I, want to, I want to talk to him. And so he sits across the table from him, and he looks him in the eye, and he says, since that night, every day of my life, I've wanted you dead. And he said, something happened in me that I didn't know was there when I said that. And he said, the next words out of my mouth were, but I forgive you. And this guy, his words were something like this. And this is what made this story really stick with me. This is the redemption. I love a good story with redemption in it, you know? And he, he says this, he says, when I said those words, something physically shifted in my body. Forgiveness is powerful. Unforgiveness is just as powerful. Don't carry something that the Lord says that he will help you release. He's going to help you. He'll give you grace to do it, but don't carry it. It's just poison. And then number six is bless them willingly. You forgive, find a way to bless them. Even if it's one of those situations where you got to keep a boundary and that's for real, that's real stuff. Like you don't just, (laughs) you know, if it's a dangerous situation, uh, you don't just come running back into into that. You can forgive. And in those instances where it even may be a boundary, um, something that I've done before is I actually sent an anonymous card with money in it or just some physical way to bless this person. You, you, won't, you won't know how healing that is until you do that. Until you, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Bless them. That's very healing. And so that, that just bless them willingly. Do something loving for the person. 
And then number seven, like I said before, if it's not resolved, bring somebody in. Pursue peace with everyone. That word pursue, it's that same word of like, um, where Dave Ramsey uses that gazelle intensity, you know, to get out of debt, like pursue. It's not just a, it's not just a lackadaisical, well, uh, maybe if it works out, we can find reconciliation. No, run as hard as you can to make it right. Push away the obstacles and get to the problem. Get to the offense and deal with it. Y'all good? <laughs> God loves you so much. And he loves this church. And he loves your kids more than you could ever love them. He loves your family. And he doesn't like offense that is carried. He doesn't like bitterness because it destroys his kids. The longer you hold on to it, the worse it gets in your own life and in the life of the people that you love. And so the, the warning is today, the, the, the admonition is today, get things right. And if, if the Lord is showing you pictures of people in your mind as I'm talking up here, it's because he wants you to deal with that. Because he knows it's holding you back. He wants you to release it. And so be brave today. Today. Be brave today. Don't wait. Act fast. Do it today. I've preached this similar messages before and I've had a line talk to talk to me afterwards. <laughs> if that's encouraging or not. That's okay. Come on. <laughs> I got a problem with you. No. So I want to read one more verse and then I want to, uh, I want to dismiss us to go obey. That's our ministry time today. It's personal, okay? Um, but before I do that, if you go to the dwellingchurch.org, click on the resources tab. Uh, again, Ashley Prather sent me just an amazing resource. It's called, con, what's it called? Con, conflict Field Guide. And we've put that on the website under the resources tab. It's all the way at the bottom. It's really good about any, anything that you're dealing with in relationships as far as conflict. It's biblical. It's put out by, I think, Watermark Church or something like that. It's great. But we wanted to resource you, not just say do it, but here's a way to do it. So if you need like some help with that kind of stuff, even with your kids as they grow up, like teaching them how to do this is so valuable, but modeling it is even more important. And so um, let's, let's stand and I want to read a scripture in uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. And I think you've got it back there, Josiah, if you want to put it up. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let's pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you talk. 
and that you love us enough to reveal the things in our hearts that we need to give to you and we need to get right. And so, Lord, right now, we say as a church family, we say as mamas and daddies and sisters and brothers, we say we will obey what you call us to do. And um, we thank you for the grace. We thank you for the courage. We thank you that we've got everything we need laid out before us like a red carpet as we walk to that person today or as we call that person today. Everything we need, you've already made the way. You've already prepared the path. And so we trust you in that. And we just obey because you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go obey today. See you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.